the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our third of our three-hour daily tour. It is a delight to welcome back someone who, by any standard, is a public intellectual of great renown, Michael Walsh. He's a journalist. He's an author. He's a screenwriter. He's the former music critic and foreign correspondent for Time magazine. A bunch of books, including As Time Goes By and All the Saints, The Devil and Sigaries, The Devil's Pleasure Palace, The Fiery Angel, his most recent book, Last Stands, a study of military history from the Greeks to the present. And he has a new org- a new publication and a new editorial or a new essay in that publication, No Country for Old Men. Michael Walsh, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix, sir. It's a pleasure, Seth. Thank you very much for inviting me. You betcha. You betcha. Voice like yours, we need it just now. By the way, it's been a while. My bad. Uh, tell me about this publication, The Pipeline, that you are the editor of. Uh, it's yes. uh, new to me, and I'm enjoying it tremendously. Great. Thank you. Well, we've been up for two years now, but it takes a while to sort of penetrate you know, the vastness of the Internet ether. Yep. Uh, we are both basically devoted to issues about energy, energy production, uh, climate change hoax, which is what we call it, and we believe very firmly that it is, in fact, a malevolent hoax, uh, and ancillary issues. The COVID lockdown, of course, is something we spent quite a bit of time addressing. And uh, I have uh, decided to write a weekly column which steps outside those boundaries just a little bit on major areas of national concern. So this week, for example, uh, Monday, yesterday, I wrote uh, No Country for Old Men, which is about the sad spectacle of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And you may notice that all the Democrats are either juniors, the second, or the third. Uh, they have real daddy issues in that party, but... And maybe we'll get into that later. Yeah, so maybe I, we will. I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I think that we, you know, we have to felt like it is. And I was pleased to see Tucker last night uh, did his show on the 25th Amendment and why it's vital that we get rid of uh, President Biden as quickly as possible for the sake of national security. Uh, and uh, Rand Paul today called for the 25th Amendment to be used uh, we just can't have this kind of cranky old loose cannon in the White House. The, the joke's gone on long enough, and so I thought, well, let's put our two cents in and see what we get. Good, Michael. And I was all about this yesterday on my show, not that I'm in those categories, obviously, but uh, this is something that has occurred to me with a few questions, and we'll sort them out. By the way, the fact that the pipeline is about energy. Perfect. We're talking about energy in the executive here, as Alexander Hamilton called it. So you're right. Oh, you're you're right in sync with your publication. Well, and also gas prices are six there bucks you, to seven bucks right. a gallon. That's in prices. right. That's and, right. Uh, you know, one thing we the trick to this business is to figure out what's going to be right six months from now or a year from now. Uh, that's right. One thing, if I could get a quick plug in for 
the first pipeline book will be coming out in October. Oh, fabulous. And it's called Against the Great Reset. Oh, good. So when we started this, which was just about a year ago, very few people had heard about the Great Reset mm -hmm. or the name of Klaus Schwab uh, or the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Well, now people are beginning to twig to it. Yep. So what I did is I commissioned uh, 17 writers from around the world, Canada, all the, all the Anglosphere, Canada, the United States, Great Britain, and Australia, New Zealand, uh, to write about various aspects of the Great Reset and why it's such a terrible, liberty-threatening idea. So we got people like Conrad Black, uh, we have Michael Anton, we have Roger Kimball, we have Richard Fernandez, who also writes for me at the Pipeline, based in Australia. Uh, and it's going to be a very big production. Uh, Adam Bellow, who is a distinguished New York former editor. Former editor of mine. Yeah, no, all of these are great names. I think every one of them has been a guest on the show, except Fernandez. And Adam, I certainly know. Yeah, you betcha. Well, we'll hope to get them all on your show. Good, at yeah, point absolutely. In, in, the, in the future. You bet. And you bet. So the idea is we now have uh, a book called Against the Great Reset, subtitled 18 Essays Contra the New World Order. And all of a sudden, that headline, which I've been working with for a year, is now current again. Yep. Biden is yapping about the New World Order, which prior President George H.W. Bush was yapping about back yep. in 1990. So these people, as I like to say about the left, you know, they never stop, they never sleep, they never quit. So we've got to stay on them and this book is a, it's a big book. It's 150,000 words, but we feel that you know with that that kind of a 1927 Yankees lineup, uh, we'll have a lot of get a lot of attention to it, and and we we hope it does well. It'll it'll be the first of a series of books uh, on current topics like this that will be an all star collection of, of writers. That sounds really smart. I mean, I like that idea. A big issue. With the smartest brains you can assemble. I, I think that's really I'll, – I'll do my best, Michael, when that comes out, yeah, to, to promote Thank it. And you. you betcha. That, I like that idea. I like that concept. I like the notion of a series. Um, that's important work you're doing. And, and might I say, Michael, all the work you've done, I, it's just kind of an interesting thing. I know a lot of people like to quote – uh, Bright, Bright, Andrew Breitbart of Blessed Memory on this, which is perfectly fine and reasonable. I, I just knew the quote a little earlier from Daniel Moynihan. It turns out culture is more important than politics, isn't it? I, I, you have lived in that world. I have tried to, and it's something I have concluded after you know a great many years thinking politics was more important. It's really the culture that well, defines it, isn't it? It it is, and I'll I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm also uh, I'll give another book plug in while I'm sure. at it here. Seth. Sure. Long, long as I long as I got your attention. Um, yeah. Uh, Last Dance was a tremendous hit for Macmillan last year. Uh, that was my most recent nonfiction book. It it sold out on Amazon on the very first day of publication, which was uh, amazing and also kind of uh, a negative because we couldn't get it back into the supply chain until after Christmas. But we, we won't get caught with our pants down this time. Good. The, the new book is called A Rage to Live, A Time to Die. Uh -huh. And in it, I'm, again, doing a historical survey, starting this time with the Trojan War and, and going forward, about battles uh, that changed history that you've never heard of. Good. But that history was not the same 
the day after that battle uh, was fought. So uh, it's been a tremendous research. I've spent a year at least uh, doing primary, secondary source re- researching. I, I've been doing some retranslations of Clausewitz's famous book on war, mm. Kriege, mm-hmm. uh, because I was kind of unhappy with some of the, the the older translation, the way they rendered the German, and I think it, it, it mischaracterized some of what Clausewitz is saying. But it's through a Clausewitzian perspective of what war is actually all about. And what we see in these battles uh, is that, as I said, they happen. Some of them are relatively obscure. If I say Sinocephale or the Milvian Bridge or the Catalonian Plain, people aren't going to go, oh, oh yeah, Custer's Last Stand right. or the Alamo. You right. Know? Right. Uh, right. But you'll know what they are by the time I get finished with you. That's oh, I can't sure. wait. So, Good. So you're right about culture, though. I mean, uh, I'm having a big fight now with a lot of people, a uh, friendly fight with people on our side about the Russian-Ukrainian situation. And, and I said the other day, if there was one person in the State Department, I thought if there was one person in the State Department who's read War and Peace, I could sleep a little bit easier yep. at night. Yep. But I know there isn't. That's right. So they have no idea what's at stake for the Russians. They see Putin, KGB, evil. They've been stampeded by four years of propagandistic nonsense about Trump colluding with the evil Russians. And when were the Democrats against the Russians? They've been in bed with them since Lenin was a baby. That's right. So uh, all of a sudden, they've decided that the Russians are evil, and they have moved smoothly from COVID hysteria to anti-Russian hysteria. The point is, it's both hysteria and it, it has no real basis in facts or logic. And that's what we're dedicated to calling out. But let, let, Let's stay you know? there for just a second. Not not sure. the exact grenade. Uh, let me put the pin in the grenade on the Russia-Ukraine debate just half a moment. But the larger point, which is we do seem to be forced – that's the way I want to say it. We do seem to be forced mm-hmm. – to leapfrog from crisis to crisis, don't we? Yeah. Um, I yeah. got. I think I got to take a quick commercial break, Michael Walsh. Let me pick up on that because it gets us kind of to your column as well, the column uh, that you have in the pipeline, uh, No Country for Old Men. Let me uh, let me hit a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with author and editor Michael Walsh. You can keep up with him over at his uh, his publication, The Pipeline, the dash pipeline. His most recent published book, and he has many, but his most recent, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. We'll get into that, too. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Author and editor Michael Walsh is our guest. We're talking about his piece in the pipeline where he edits the dash pipeline.org, his column, No Country for Old Men. Michael, I was just making the point uh, about, you know, how we, you, you were saying how we leapfrogged immediately from COVID to Russia. Uh, it does seem we are in some kind of constant, continually, ever cascading rush of events. Um, the, I call it the crisis industrial complex. It's not healthy for any sane society. I don't think it's healthy for a constitutional republic. I don't think it lends itself to reason and rationality. And moreover, kind of linking to your column, you take this however you want or wherever you want. 
that is what our president of the United States represents in and of himself with the adult, the brain adult, uh, being brain adult, uh, the dementia, the statements, the being tugged by the socialist Marxist left in this country to the point of embracing it. I mean, we are in a pretty bad crisis mode. Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Nadler love to talk about constitutional crises during the uh, Trump years, I don't think anything comes close to what we're looking at right this very moment at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. No, I can't recall it. And I, you know, I, I was born during the Truman administration, mm-hmm. so I've got some perspective on this okay. over the last 72 years. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the, I think what you're witnessing, Seth, and I, I want to make this very clear to all of our listeners is this is a concerted effort to bring down the country as founded, and turn it into something else. And we are at the end stage of this. Uh, as you know, we are ruled by a gerontocracy of very old people, uh, older than me. Uh, Pelosi, uh, Trump to a certain, he'll be, if he were to run again, which I hope he doesn't, uh, he'll be 78 years old in the, at the next election. Uh, Biden is 79 years old. Uh, this is not healthy. This is uh, uh, Roman Republic minus Caesar, in which the entire Senate, which Senate, of course, means comes from the same root as that's, senile that's, and that's senescent. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Older. Yeah. Uh, the, the entire Senate is, in fact, senescent. And the baby boomers are refusing to go out gracefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a mortal enemy in these people, and I think American public now is becoming aware of just how malevolent they are. I was thinking last summer I drove 14,000 miles throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. I went from my home in rural New England here down to Florida, and then uh, I stopped off and visited my birthplace at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, which is a major Marine Corps base. Uh, I then went all the way back out to L.A. the long way down through the south, through Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas. Spent a month in California, came back another long way. You know, gas was two bucks a gallon or maybe a buck eighty, I think, in Oklahoma is what I paid. Uh, and now you're looking at <clears throat> tremendous run-up in, in the cost of, of gasoline. Uh, our heating oil bills have doubled in one year. Uh, our electric bills have doubled in one year and and you don't have the option of not heating your house in new england that's trust right. me right. it's, it's right. 25 degrees here right now and at the end of march mm-hmm. so you know when we get three months of not only below freezing but below zero uh you better hope that your pipes don't freeze that's uh, right. and so people are now forced to pay effectively a tax on where they live and i think americans are finally beginning to think hey this isn't right. This isn't normal. I've never seen this happen before. And it isn't an accident. It's done by design. So you're right about the crisis industrial complex. And you know where to put the blame for that? On the media. In part, in part, and we don't, I I wouldn't argue the point very much, but yes, for certain, they live, uh, they live by, by yes, the, the flashing images and that we are always in a panic mode. But I have to tell you, I I have to tell you, I detect, uh, quite a strong, uh, handmaiden 
in the progressive Marxist left in this country. I think it is a oh, version sure. of their permanent revolution, to be honest with you. You yeah. don't transform something that's not not you don't fundamentally transform something that's in good shape. Right. No, you no, you don't. You and you do it with the ill will. And I, I said to people when Obama uttered those very words, right, yep. the night he was elected yep. uh, over uh, the late uh, deeply missed senator from Arizona, mm-hmm. McCain, mm-hmm. Uh, we were five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And I said to people, you don't know what that means, but I do, yep. because I was a college student in the 60s. Yep. And what it means is the destruction of the United States of America. That's what it means. Yep. And people didn't believe us. And luckily for us, Barry was just too lazy to actually bring it to pass yeah he just wasn't good but, enough <laughs> he no, just he, wasn't good just, enough oh. he'd rather party with jay-z right. and, and and hang and right. buy expensive houses all over the right. the country but biden is is no longer with us mentally and so he's easily manipulated by the Obamaites who are living just up the road in calorama for mm-hmm. those of you who know mm-hmm. washington dc it's the nicest richest part of washington dc so where else would somebody like Obama live, uh, and they they are pushing the strings, uh, pulling the strings, rather, uh, on the puppet, and you're getting exactly what uh, Obama had promised uh, all the way back uh, when he ran against McCain and, and, and later Romney. By the so way, who the better to do this, to... right? I suppose if, if Joe Biden is literally not in charge of his own executive office, it is no. the Obama people who would be pulling the strings inside that office, right? It is, yes, it, and, uh, yeah. Obama's still... He's still a young man. He's still very vigorous. Yeah. He's not stupid. He, he 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 had nowhere. He's the only president who hasn't left Washington D.C. He didn't even have the dignity to move to Maryland, or Virginia. He stayed in the District of Columbia, which no president has done ever. Period. Before him, the the rule, the protocol was: when you're done with your term, you go away. Yep. And you and that's the last we hear of you. Well, that Obama broke that rule too. But what I mean by the media is the media is the handmaid. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Revolutionary. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. They are all all in on that. They are all in on diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, bondage, and discipline. Oh no, sorry. That's uh, uh, (laughs) diverse. Easy there, my family show there, Michael. I know, but it's discipline. BDS, right? Yes. Uh, uh, Yes, yes, the divestiture movement, the boycott and divestiture sanctions movement, BDS. I I guess I've known too many Democrats. That's I understand. (laughs) You've watched a lot of norms be shattered. Let me do this on that laugh note. Let me just hit a quick break. All right. We'll compose ourselves and we'll come back. My guest is Michael Walsh, editor uh, of the Pipeline, the-pipeline.org, and author of several books, of course. His most recent, The Last Stand, uh, sorry, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. We'll be right back. Now we're just encouraging Michael. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delight to have Michael Walsh with us. He is uh, the editor of the Pipeline, the-pipeline.org. Critical reading. I have just uh, been catching up on it. Relatively new publication. Uh, several uh, Author of several important books. His most recent, Last 
stands, why men fight when all is lost. Michael, yes, the collection of things you were pointing out to that the left and the media are in, I don't know, collusion, cahoots, agreement on. It's kind of an interesting self-reinforcing series of institutions, the progressive left, the media. I was going to say the academy, but Michael, it's more than the academy, which we think of as kind of higher ed. It's now elementary and secondary, too. It's almost all education in this country. It's professional athletics associations. It's really quite a big cultural series of edifices the elites have built dedicated to progressive policies, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing any Republican has ever elected anywhere, quite honestly. No, it really is. I mean, they've, they've seized the high ground, and they set out to do it, and they said very clearly that that's what they were going to do. I, I wrote a book called The Devil's Pleasure right. Palace about five or six years ago, which turned out to be a sleeper success for a, a book that's really about opera and poetry, yeah. uh, but disguises itself as being about politics, speaking of culture and politics. Uh, and, and in that, I, I showed that this malevolence, uh, actually has its origins in some of the most fundamental founding myths of humanity, mm-hmm. including Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, <clears throat> that seems to be uh, resonating again. That book continues to sell very well, which uh, it pleases me, but, but because it was pitched at a very high level, it pleases me even doubly that we are not alone. Right. But they have seized the high ground. Yep. That Hollywood is now become an embarrassment, and that's place. I've worked for 20 years, and, and I like very much, and I love a lot of the people that I know there, but it has essentially been destroyed from within, especially now that a quota system has been imposed. Yeah, no, a lot of us used to like universities, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, universities uh, uh, clearly have been atomized, and there's just no jobs there for conservatives because they keep they keep us out of those jobs uh, specifically the, the same way they keep Asians out of the, the Ivy League they've decided yep. that they are you know they're going to actively uh, what's the word I'm looking for discriminate against right. Asians right. and eventually that will get to the Supreme Court and they will lose that one but they do a lot of damage while they wait for the legal system to grind its wheels very very slowly yeah, there's an old line of Henry Kissinger's. You're absolutely right. The old line, I think, is the illegal we do immediately, the unconstitutional takes a little longer. And I think he's yeah, describing exactly. exactly what you're talking about, exactly what you're right. talking We'll do what we can. We'll get away with what we can. We'll wait for someone to sue us. The organization that sues us, we will call bigoted and racist while the lawsuit is pending, and it will take eight years to get a result. That's how they operate, basically. No, it is, because they do believe that it's better to ask forgiveness than yep. permission. yep, yep. Yep, exactly right. In your column, um, uh, No Country for Old Men, help me unwrap this one, Michael, and it may take a segment and a half or so. But while I'm with you on the 25th Amendment, and I have been uh, persuaded that it needs to be seriously uh, sought right now, uh, there was no worse press conference in presidential history than the one yesterday. And it was only it was only it was only all the worse because it was in denial about three awful statements, awful mm-hmm. statements that were made by the president in denial and in contradiction of his own staff. It does, though, bring the obvious problem, which is what philosophers call insufficient options. We get Kamala mm-hmm. Harris. Right. Can you make the case that Kamala Harris is a better ex- chief executive of the United States than Joe Biden? No, no. She has to go first. Uh uh, the point I made in the column, yeah. uh, en passant, was, and, and, and our younger uh, 
uh, people, which is everybody, uh, as far as I'm concerned, don't remember that in 1972, Richard Nixon won the biggest landslide in American history. He won 49 states. He won 500 and some 35 electoral votes. He won 60-plus percent of the popular vote. And he was gone two years later, and so was Spiro Agnew. And they did it in so, that or You're right. You're right. They did First they did Spiro Agnew, then they did Richard Nixon. This was a short segment. Let me take this quick break. We'll pick up on that history and how we can apply it here with Michael Walsh when we come back. And we will be right back. Meantime, check out the pipeline, the-pipeline.org. You'll see some familiar names, uh, some other guests from this show. And check out his most recent book while you're at it, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. Probably some encouragement for a lot of people out there that are thinking, is it still worth the fight and is all lost? Yes to the first, no to the second. Michael Walsh is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Michael Walsh is our guest. He is the editor of The Pipeline, the-pipeline.org, his country, no country, uh, his most recent column, No Country for Old Men. Michael, you were just giving us this great history that a lot of people, I think, need to wrap their heads and, and arms around a little bit. When the Democrats know how to get rid of people, they got rid of Richard Nixon and Spiro Agnew, as you were saying, and after a massive landslide reelection, one where Nixon netted 49 states, Within uh, two years, they were they, – how do you put it? They went from heroes to zeros in two years. First, they went after Agnew. Sorry we had to take the break. You can pick it up from there if you like. Sure. Well, Agnew uh, was uh, uh, a figure very well known to the uh, Nancy Pelosi yeah. uh, and, and, and the D'Alessandro crime family of Baltimore. Agnew was the Baltimore County executive. He was later governor of Maryland. And uh, people, perhaps uh, uh, Westerners, don't realize just how corrupt Baltimore always was. Now it's completely dysfunctional and dangerous. But in those days, it was just merely a, a criminal enterprise. And uh, it was mostly run by the D'Alessandro family, family, Tommy D'Alessandro, who's Nancy Pelosi's father. Uh, her brother was temporarily in that position as well. Uh, one of her brothers was arrested for statutory rape uh, of an 11-year-old girl and a 13-year-old girl, mm-hmm. uh, along with some other guys. They kept these young girls in a house in Baltimore and raped them for a week, and he skated, miraculously, because his father was the mayor of Baltimore. Mm. He was also indicted for perjury, and he skated on that because the rule number one, his father was mayor of Baltimore. So this is Baltimore, and uh, Agnew uh, basically was busted for collecting bribes in a paper bag. Uh, there's lots of ways to bribe people in Washington. One of them was paper bags. One of them was bringing a suitcase of money to a poker game and losing it and then going home because, you know, the guy cleans you out. What, what are you going to do about right. it? Right. Uh, so they, they found a reason to get rid of Agnew, and they got rid of him. And they then installed uh, Gerald Ford. Nixon picked Ford as his replacement vice president under the, the uh, 25th Amendment, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yep. And then they went after Nixon, and they got him to resign. So that's how Gerald Ford became president, uh, who was never voted on by anybody except the voters in his congressional district in Michigan. And Nelson Rockefeller became vice president, who was never voted on by anybody, period. Outside of New York. Yeah, exactly. That's how you conduct a coup. 
By the way, and, let's uh, not let's let's underscore the importance of that team of Ford Rockefeller. That is the overthrowing. That is the turning of the tables against the modern conservative movement. That was the anti-Goldwater movement right there. Ford oh, and Rockefeller. Yeah, they absolutely. they saw a new right coming. Boy, did they take it out. Yeah, they had to stomp that one to death as fast as they po- as, as they possibly could. So I think the Democrats know they're they're in for a horrendous beating, uh, and they know that they can't have. Miss Harris as president of the United States. That's a, was a diversity, diversity, inclusion, equity uh, nomination simply to unite the ticket. And so she will go. I mean, there's plenty of skeletons in her closet. I need not enumerate the ones we all know, and I'm sure there are others. So she will be gone, and then they will find who they want to be president, who no one will have voted for, and then uh, ease Biden out. And I don't think it would be very hard for them to get rid of Biden. I think the cabinet would vote him out. Clearly, the handlers will make sure that they do. And then you'll have somebody I don't even can't even think who they would replace him with. But if they're going to do it, they're going to do it uh, pretty soon. So I think before the fall, it's a good time to fasten your seatbelt, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, Michael. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's... It's an amazing thing that uh, that you would you and I would both agree on the fact that the cabinet probably would be on board with this. I do think that. I do think that that it's unavoidable and unmistakable that the glimpses we see they must see on a routine or at least you know semi monthly basis or monthly basis. It, you called it a joke up front. This bad joke. That's exactly what it is. It's an emperor of it's you know it's the emperor of no clothes. But it's a really bad joke. We've all just been kind of going along as if things are normal. Things are. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to use a word I can't use. Not normal. Mm. Things are no. not normal here. No. They're not. And, and, and the thing is, if they manage to do this, you'll have a president who, if, uh, if he or she gets in that office before the next election, can then run for, uh, no, I may have this wrong. There's some point at which it kicks over and that person can only run for one more term, fill out a term and then run or run for two more terms. Oh, yeah, no, uh, no, but they can run the board for a bit. They can run the board yeah, for they, a bit, yeah. They can, and... and I and mean, you know, LBJ could have, if he chose to, ran again, run again in 68, having won in 64 and filled out Kennedy's terms, so, yeah. And, I mean, that, that's correct, yeah. and, and Truman could have... Uh, right, uh, right, Truman, same, right, good well. call, good call, right. Um, but he, he, he chose not to. Right. Uh, this brings me to some other point, which I hope I can raise right now, which sure. is what are the Republicans going to do about right. this? So, uh the answer is very simple. I'll, I'll give you the lead and not tease you. Okay. Uh, DeSantis, Tulsi Gabbard would be the strongest possible ticket they could put up because it disarms the Democrats at every single level. You, well, have you and I are in fierce agreement on half that answer. <laughs> okay. okay, well, I, I, I'm sure we're going to argue about Tulsi. So <laughs> uh, I, I met Governor DeSantis when he was congressman. I sat down and had lunch with him. He's a very direct, very powerful, uh, no-nonsense kind of guy, and he has really risen to the occasion yep, as governor of Florida. And he, he picks his fight brilliantly. Yep. He's now put Disney in the position of having to defend grooming kindergartners yep. in sexuality. That's exactly right. So that's, you want to be on that side of that issue. And effectively, he's told Disney, if you don't like Florida law, you can leave. 
because he's now big and strong enough that he doesn't need Disney in Florida, and they have nowhere else to go. He's the first so he's Republican I've seen that matches your description of the de- your tripartite uh, tripartite description of the Democrats. The first Republican I've seen who does that. You know, he just yeah. he just keeps going and going. He does, and the, uh, the reason I've become uh, interested in in Miss Gabbard is I think she's very well spoken. Uh, she's obviously an attractive person on stage. She eviscerated Kamala during the debates, in the Democrat debates. I thought she would have been a very potent challenger against Trump had they given her the nomination. Uh, I even worried about that. But well, let's, that let's make a down payment and have that hash that out on another one, on another installment now that uh, we're back in touch. It's been too long on my part, and uh, sure. there's so well, much good here. Ticket. For 2020. All right. Well, I, I I I at least have the same genders. I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I'm go- Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> I'm going to Santis Christie Noam. But Michael Walsh, okay. I got to run. Let's do this again soon. Bless you, sir. Thank you for everything, and we will do this again soon. Thanks very much. You betcha. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. Portions of the show brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. I take them every single day. Feel better, protect your health, boost your immunity. The 100% natural way, 100%, not 99 and 44, 100%, 100%. Blend of 16 whole fruits, 15 whole vegetables, the powerful stuff tested uh, by a third party for all kinds of any other elements, bacteria, pesticides, metals, you name it. No GMOs, no extracts or synthetics. It's kept me well for three years. It can do the same for you. Balanceofnature.com, their fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code balance. It is National Vietnam War Veterans Day, and I just wanted to close the thought on that to anyone who is in Vietnam, lost someone in Vietnam, had a family member in Vietnam. It's the dedication to one of his books by my professor, Harry Jaffa, one of his books from 1975, The Conditions of Freedom. I'll just read it to you this way, if I can get through it. Billy Peterson was one of my students at Claremont Men's College. We had formed a friendship of the kind that young men and older ones sometimes do form when they are fellow hobbyists or fellow enthusiasts of a sport, bicycling, bicycling in our case. Many mornings saw the two of us before dawn, wheeling eastward through the foothills of the San Gabriel Mountains. When the pace slackened and when the ride was over, we talked constantly of a wide variety of subjects, many of them political. Yet I cannot recall that military service was a question or a problem in his mind. Although no generation in American history was ever so racked or tormented by it, as was his. He was neither an objector himself nor belligerent belligerent towards those who did object. Yet he was a highly intelligent young man, as capable as any of examining the opinions of those about him. His patriotism was so natural to him that I think he was hardly aware of it. Billy volunteered for the Naval Air Service. He volunteered for the Helicopter Corps. He volunteered for service in Vietnam. When his tour of duty was completed, he learned that his replacement would not arrive at the unit for 10 days. Rather than subject the men with whom he had served to extra duty, he volunteered once more to serve until his replacement arrived. On the second day after answering the final call, he was killed in action. Billy Peterson was a scholar, an athlete, an officer, and a gentleman. He was one of those golden lads of whom A.E. Hausman wrote, who went to war not gaily, but with a doubt 
excuse me, not gaily, but without a doubt, that freedom and duty spoke with a single voice. Had he lived, he might have served this country with distinction in any other post of honor or responsibility as well. And it is with such deep affection and gratitude that I dedicate to his memory this, the conditions of freedom, as I dedicate today's show to all who were involved in Vietnam War on this, the Vietnam War Veterans Day. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.